the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm honored. Today is Wednesday, November the 25th, 2020, in the year of our Lord. Today, on November 25, 2002, President George W. Bush signed legislation creating the Department of Homeland Security. He then appointed Tom Ridge to be its head. Today, in 1783, the British evacuated New York during the Revolutionary War. They'd had enough from those people that they thought would be a pushover, that ragtag army called the Continental Army in America, the colonies. Today, in 1915, a new version of the Ku Klux Klan, targeting blacks, Jews, Catholics, and immigrants, was founded by William Joseph Simmons. Today, in 1947, movie studio executives in Hollywood meeting in New York, they agreed to blacklist the Hollywood Ten. Those are the people who had been cited for contempt of Congress the day before because they were allegedly involved in the Communist Party, as it turned out many were. Many still are in the industry. Believe me, they, many of them hate America. I know. Today, in 1961, the first nuclear-powered aircraft carrier, USS Enterprise, was commissioned. Today, in 1963, the body of President John F. Kennedy was laid to rest at Arlington National Cemetery. His widow, Jacqueline, she ignited the uh, eternal flame at the gravesite. Today, in 2009, Toyota said it would replace the gas pedals on 4 million cars, vehicles in the United States because the pedals got stuck to the floor uh, on the floor mats and it would cause this sudden acceleration and they couldn't stop it. Today in 2014, President Barack Obama sharply rebuked protesters for racially charged violence in Ferguson, Missouri. He said there was no excuse for burning buildings, torching cars, and destroying other property. I wonder why some of his underlings, the Democrat mayors and governors up and down the West Coast and in other cities, including Ferguson or St. Louis, I wonder why they didn't say that all summer as our cities burned and cars were torched and property destroyed and stores were looted. I guess it's just sort of circumstantial. It depends on who's doing it and what the circumstances are. That's classic progressivism in its finest moment, its worst moment. Today in 2016, Fidel Castro died. He was 90 years old. Well, as we approach the um, Thanksgiving holiday, long weekend, tomorrow, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, for some, law enforcement New York says, New York City says law enforcement will be out in force over the holidays because it's a very troubling time. They're stopping vehicles at certain New York City checkpoints. 
there will be consequences for anyone violating quarantine requirements. This uh, sheriff, Joseph Facito, I think that's how you pronounce his name, he told the press, and of course, Mayor de Blasio was standing right beside him, big smile, determined smile. He said, sheriff teams will be out in force as the holidays approach. There will be vehicle checkpoints at key bridges crossing throughout New York City. Pachito announced during the press conference that Mayor Bill de Blasio and he are in solidarity and they're going to be, there are going to be consequences to people who break their rules. They said, we are not going to allow people just to travel freely without restriction. I never thought I'd see the day in America when we were reading that kind of thing in our American cities, particularly New York or anywhere for that matter. But this is not isolated. I talked a little bit yesterday about about the, the governors here on the West Coast or the left coast, as a lot of people call it. Mike Huckabee likes to call it that. He calls it that all the time. Of course, he lives on the other side of the country, but pretty much. But he, uh, he always refers to this as the left coast out here, and a lot of other people do as well, and for good reason. But we talked a little bit about the governors on the West Coast yesterday, Washington, Oregon, California, really taking the Kate Brown in Oregon is, is tell, asking people to, to phone in to report their neighbors if they break any of the rules over Thanksgiving. I mean, it's amazing. Like I said, I never thought I'd see the day here. I've seen that a lot as I was traveling in missionary work um, for several years that I was doing that. And I've been in the back corner, the most dark, depraved corners of the earth, as well as the large cities and starting churches and building them and getting them organized and set up and so on. And I will tell you, I will tell you, I, I mean, I've been at many checkpoints, but not here in America. I remember the checkpoint in in. Even in Berlin, I happened to be there when they were tearing down the wall and they were that checkpoint Charlie. Actually, the day I, I happened to be there when the truck pulled up and they lifted that thing with a big crane, it was just a checkpoint. It was a little building and it stopped people from crossing over from, you know, east and west Berlin. But I happened to be there the day they picked up checkpoint Charlie, put it on a truck and hauled it away somewhere. I understand it's been restored now as a historic little monument somewhere, but um, I never thought I would see checkpoints and and these kinds of things going on in our country. But here we are. It's happening. It's happening because there is a, a war, a, a revolution of sorts going on within the culture today. We hear a lot about the cultural divide. We hear a lot about you know, well, we've got a company that Joe Biden is using. It's just a buzzword to him. He doesn't even he doesn't even grasp what he's saying, much less have any intention of being able to do it. And if he does, he's misled. Joe Biden is saying, I'm going to be the healer of America. He made that statement the other day. I already think that's what he said. It sounded like that. He's going to be the healer of America. Well, <laughs> he isn't. Because the very ideology that he espouses and is promising. He said this morning, he made a statement that he he said, I am going to be one of the most progressive presidents in history. He's appeasing AOC, Bernie Sanders, and the rest of that bunch who are. 
the most progressive people we've ever seen in leadership in America. But now he is promising to be one of them. Whatever it takes, I just want to be president. I'll do what I have to do. I'll go where I have to go. I'll say what I have to say. Whatever. That's what's feeding this craziness. And that's what's feeding the erosion of our freedoms. But I have a word from the Lord today. And I want to tell you that those people may appear to be in control. They may think they're in control. They are not in control. God is in control. Nothing is going to happen that God does not allow in America. So on this eve of Thanksgiving, there are all kinds of reasons to be thankful. Psalm 89 says, I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. That would be us, all generations. Psalmist continues, For I have said, Mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. Nevertheless, my loving kindness will I not utterly take from him, nor suffer my faithfulness to fail. My covenant will I not break, nor alter the thing that has gone out of my lips. God is faithful. He has been faithful. He is faithful. He will be faithful. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 9, God is faithful, by whom you were called unto the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. We abide in that family of God. We are in the world. We are not of the world. But as I have said so often on this program, We've got to be informed. We don't become one of them. We just understand the times in which we live. Therefore, we better understand how God is working, even when it appears he may not be. He is, and he is faithful. There seems to be a war on everything that we believe in and every the traditions, the institutions of America. Everything that America has stood for, there seems to be a somebody's waging war against it. Interesting article today. Disappointing, but an interesting article out there. The New Yorker magazine, it's far left, but it's widely read. They have a feature story <laughs> that's titled The Invention of Thanksgiving. The subtitle is Massacres, Myths, and the Making of the Great November Holiday. <laughs> The story begins with this. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this, but just by way of introduction to what I really want to talk about. The story begins, it says, The Indians who joined the mistrustful pilgrims. Wampanoag tradition suggests we're honoring a mutual defense pact. Actually, that is partially true. But then the story says this, Autumn is the season for Native America. There are the cool nights and the warm days of Indian summer and the genial query. What's Indian about this weather? More worrisome is the annual fight over the legacy of Christopher Columbus. And then they go into a long attack on Christopher Columbus. They said next up is Halloween, typically featuring Native American braves and sexy Indian princesses. 
Then November. November brings Native American Heritage Month and tracks a smooth countdown to Thanksgiving. In the elementary school curriculum, the holiday traditionally met a pageant with students in construction paper headdresses and pilgrim hats reenacting the original celebration. If today's teachers aim for less pageantry and a slightly more complicated history, many students still complete complete an American education unsure about the place of Native people in the nation's past or in its present. Cap the season off with Thanksgiving, a turkey dinner, and a fable of interracial harmony. Is there any wonder that by the time the holiday arrives, a lot of American Indian people are thankful the autumn is nearly over? And then this. Americans have been celebrating Thanksgiving for nearly four centuries, commemorating that solemn dinner in November of 1621. We know the story well, or we think we do. Adorned in funny hats, large belt buckles, and clunky black shoes, the Pilgrims of Plymouth gave thanks to God for his blessings demonstrated by the survival of their fragile settlement. The local Indians, supporting characters always, who generously pulled the pilgrims through the first winter and taught them how to plant corn, joined the feast with gifts of venison. A good time was had by all, the New Yorker says mockingly, and then it goes downhill from there, and I'll spare you all of that. But that's the tone. It's out there. These same people come out with feature stories just before Easter, just before Christmas, just before Thanksgiving, anything that has any bit of Christianity attached to it, and these holidays certainly do, Thanksgiving and uh, obviously Christmas and Easter. They come out with these stories. They're quoting professors from well-known Ivy League universities, and on and on and on it goes. So with that in mind, this last week, Senator Tom Cotton, a guy who I hope runs for president, he's brilliant. He's one of us. He's a senator but he would make a great president, along with a lot of other people someday. But he said he feels the story of Thanksgiving. He stood up in the Senate on the record, and he said he felt the story of Thanksgiving is being forgotten, or he said it's being revised to the extent. He said, I'm inclined to tell the story on the Senate record. (laughs) So he started telling the story from the conservative, historical point of view. He began with this, on the record, it'll be there until the far left figures out how to somehow take things selectively out of the record. They have not done that yet, that we know of. But anyway, Tom Cotton, Senator Tom Cotton, began with this. He said, a great American anniversary is upon us, and regrettably, we haven't heard much about this anniversary of the Mayflower. He said, I suppose the pilgrims have fallen out of favor in fashionable circles today, I'd therefore like to take a few minutes to reflect on the Pilgrim story and its living legacy for our nation in the run-up to Thanksgiving. The Pilgrim speech was immediately attacked by a number of people, including a member of the House of Representatives. Yeah, they can't have this. We're not going to have that stuff in our political system. Future of our country, the continuity of ideas, the institutions... We should all be grateful for this at Thanksgiving, even if we're not a born-again Christian and evangelical. We should be thankful for our traditions that have given us this great country that has been so blessed, so prosperous, so free. 
Cotton delivered a fitting tribute to the pilgrims, their story of faith, their perseverance. He said it's so intertwined with the Thanksgiving holiday and the values that we cherish most, we must know this story. Within moments, Muslim representative Ilan Omar was on Twitter. She's a Democrat from Minnesota. She began to attack Cotton on Twitter for saying such things publicly and particularly on the Senate record. Among other things, she tweeted about Senator Cotton. She said, quote, when your sense of history doesn't go beyond your third grade coloring books and actual history, it terrifies you. <coughs> Excuse me. So Cotton continued. <laughs> the so-called progressives would have you believe that the half-baked version of history, this Project 1619, was put forward by the New York Times. They won an award for it. I think it was a Nobel Award or something. But they would have you believe that's the truth. Omar's statement demonstrates that there's a great crisis confronting modern Americans and their public school, quote-unquote, educated children this Thanksgiving season. And it's something that I'm not willing to overlook or dismiss as, well, these times are changing. Yeah, they are, but I'm going to resist. As long as you'll support me on the radio, I'll be able to keep this microphone on and I'll keep doing it. As long as God gives me breath and you support us and help us pay our bills every month. And I want to thank you for that, by the way. Thank you so much for standing with us financially. We need your help. You write the checks. We'll keep talking. We'll keep doing what we do as the Lord willing as long as we can. Because we are living in very complicated times. There are many voices out there. There's a lot of noise. And it's easy just to get lost in all the noise. It's like getting lost in the fog. I remember as a kid growing up in the Yakima Valley, I, the fog would set in in the wintertime. And man, some days, it would, times it would be there forever. I never hadn't, had never lived anywhere else at that time. So that's all I knew. But boy, I used to think, man, as a kid, I think, man, when is this going to go away? Well, I, I think that's kind of, a, it illustrates the way our culture is today. We're living in this fog of noise and all these peoples are, people are proclaiming all these, all these messages and these quote unquote facts, whether it's Thanksgiving or whether it's, it's the Revolutionary War, whatever it is. They're trying to revise everything and anything and destroy those things they can't revise that has to do with any kind of traditional ideas, and particularly traditional Christian or Judeo-Christian ideas. So we will resist, we will stand against that, and we will do our very best as God helps us to inform people as long as you keep supporting us. So thank you. Our address is Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Box 399 Bellevue, Washington, 98009. Or you can go to our website, faithandfreedom.us, and there's a donate tab there. You can just click it and do it. But thank you so much. But the war on Thanksgiving is really a war on history. And it's on every front. Education, entertainment, even in the church. Some of these churches today that name their, put a cross on the outside and call themselves a Christian church are so far off base. They're blessing pets. They're outing their six-year-olds who are supposedly transgender. And they're celebrating this kind of stuff. They're celebrating same-sex marriage. They're blessing or at least being silent about abortion. They, they stand for nothing. 
except just their effort to continue to exist. We need to talk about those things. We need to be aware. We need to be aware of what they're doing, why they're doing it, and how we can be a light in the darkness in our world today. There is a war on Thanksgiving, but it's a war on history. Anytime truth begins to emerge, the left, who claim many things from being Eastern mystics to Christians on the left, you find it all. Senator Cotton gives a factual overview of the arrival of the Mayflower 400 years ago this year. It's historic. From their own writings and their notes, the intent of the pilgrims who made the journey, Cotton notes that, of course, there were some on board who were not part of the pilgrim group. The left always focuses on that. They'll say, well, there were people on there that were bad people. There were. There were people there, indentured uh, servants and others that were sent by the people who owned them or to whom they owed money or whatever. And there were some that just came for financial reasons. It wasn't all pilgrims on the boat, but the pilgrims were there. Even Winston Churchill, in one of his books, he talked about those 'er ne'er-do-wells that were along with the pilgrims. What a difference between their beliefs. But they were headed in the same direction. But the pilgrims came out of a desire for freedom to worship God freely. So Senator... God mentions all that. The New England statesman, he he quotes Daniel Webster. I often quote Webster on this program, whose Plymouth oration of 1820, he quotes from that, and he explains how the Pilgrim forefathers laid down the foundation, the building blocks of what would become a country attached to both self-government and religious freedom. This is one of the most important steps in turning the New England story or the Plymouth Rock story into a national story. However, Webster's speech was not merely a celebration of the past. In Webster's speech, that 1820 speech, he called on his generation and the generations to come, which would be us, to perpetuate and extend what had been given, the great gift of free government. And that was all birthed through this first Thanksgiving and through the Mayflower experience. Of course those people knew that there were wrongs in the world. Even then they were talking about the fact that slavery had to be abolished. Omar is not alone, though, in dismissing the pilgrim story or the Thanksgiving as a whole. Many of our lead institutions now are elected officials. People who claim to be Christians have a knee-jerk reaction. They even dismiss much of our history because, well, it gets tacky. We don't want to say that in today's environment. Jared Stepman wrote an article in The Signal. That's an arm of the Heritage Foundation. In the article, very timely, he wrote it this week. Or he published it this week. He says Omar's left-wing allies often celebrate the works of Howard Zinn and his revised history book. It's called The People's History of the United States. Make a note of that because if your kids are studying that, either on Zoom at home or in class when classes resume. It's bad stuff. It's a lie from hell, honestly. Mary Graber, an author of, wrote the book Debunking Howard Zinn. I mean, it's that bad, and it's pervasive throughout public education. She wrote an article for The Federalist a while back. I think it was last year at Thanksgiving, if I'm not mistaken. But she said that Zinn deconstructs the pilgrims their first Thanksgiving to advance Marxist ideas of oppressors 
versus the oppressed, and that's exactly what they do. But in these simplistic narratives, the pilgrims are portrayed as wicked oppressors and the native people as angelic oppressed victims. Neither is true. Unfortunately, this message has found a home in our public education and in entertainment. But in her critique of Zen-inspired literature, she uses, of all places, Portland, Oregon, the public schools as an example. She said that the, the, the Portland public schools all use this curriculum. And it's, they're fully indoctrinated by Zen and others like him who may not be open to the truth. We should all be informed of the fact that this lunacy is driving young adults to extremism, a la burning and looting all summer in Portland and Seattle and Chicago and other places. But she directly links this in her Federalist article, links the actions that we saw all summer on the streets of these cities to what's being taught in history, as history, that is not history, in our public education. Columbus was once nearly universally admired in America. Now his statues are dragged down the street and thrown in the pond. We watched it on television. Stephen believes that Thanksgiving is in the stages of receiving the same Columbus Day treatment. He said, we can't underestimate the threat of a few militant voices amplified by Americans' elite culture-shaping institutions. But there is a providential aspect. There is a providential aspect to Thanksgiving. God was in charge then as well as he is today. William Bradford, the pilgrim leader, wrote in his journal that upon landfall, the pilgrims fell on their knees and blessed the God of heaven who had brought them over the vast and furious ocean. Half the settlers died the first winter. It was a winter of disease, starvation, and death. Had it continued, there would be no story. But there is a story. There is a story. In March, a lone Native American walked into the Pilgrim Village and greeted them in English. His name was Samoset. He'd learned some broken English from the fishermen in the waters of what is now Maine. He and the Pilgrims exchanged some gifts. They talked. He was broken English, but they understood each other. He said he had a friend named Squanto who spoke fluent English. And he said he would bring him back to the village. Squanto's tribe had been wiped out a couple of years earlier by an epidemic plague, weakened by the losses. The Wapanogs had good reason to form an alliance with the pilgrims because they didn't have any other good alliances. So Squanto made the introductions, facilitated a peace and mutual aid treaty, which lasted more than 50 years. That's the truth. That's the truth that the New Yorker and others try to undermine and revise. Squanto remained with the pilgrims, acting in Bradford's words as their interpreter and a special instrument sent of God for their good beyond their expectations. God blessed them through Squanto, and God blessed Squanto through them. I'm going to continue a little bit of this story tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. I'll tell you a little bit more about just how much God blessed Squanto through these pilgrims. Yes, there really was a get-together. There really was a meal. There really was a landing at Plymouth Rock. There really were pilgrims, and they really did come here for freedom, to worship God in the way that their conscience and their Bible directed them to do. Thanksgiving, it happened. 
We'll continue this conversation tomorrow on Thanksgiving Day. Thank you so much for being with me today. Always a pleasure. Thank you for tuning us in tomorrow morning on Thanksgiving Day.